You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. Okay, well, we are recording in the midst of uh, exhibition game number two. The Flames are current. Are they still down 3 nothing? It's just starting. I believe it's still 3 nothing. I mean, the puck hasn't dropped yet, so uh, safe to say it's still 3 nothing, not 4 nothing yet. Okay, well, we'll just have to hang on. And... We'll monitor the situation very closely. Bring we'll you monitor the, the situation. As they... Currently, the Flames have six shots on net. Vancouver has 16 shots on net. Um, really good mm. showing for the Flames after two years of not playing. And uh, well, you posted the shots on Instagram from game <laughs> one. It was like 20 to six each period. Well, look, I know everybody was like, oh, guys, it's preseason. It's first game preseason. I'm like, yeah, but they haven't played in front of fans in two fucking years. And I would expect some of these guys to be jacked up a little bit. No. No, well, it just just goes to show that your bottom six isn't going to do shit this season. Oh, Lucic, big energy guy. Oh, we need uh, we need to go sucked. get uh, Lucic, Lewis, Richardson. Uh, who else do we need? Branson. So the Flames got shot forty nine to fifteen last night, and I mean the Oilers dressed a literal AHL roster. Derek Ryan had a goal and an assist and two points. So yeah, we don't need that guy, right? Um, but yeah, the Flames dressed a pretty much way. I don't. They're not an NHL roster, but comparatively to the Oilers, like that was like a, a, a half of an NHL team playing against an AHL team, and they got creamed. Well, to refresh your memory, here's the lineup against the Edmonton Oilers AHL team: Dubé centered by Backlund with Pitlick. Um, those guys did nothing. Pitlick gets injured. So we'll have to Dude, like again, Backlund, like where have you been for the last two years, bud? You haven't played in the dome in front of fans in two years. And you're just like, eh, whatever. I expected some of these guys to be a little more energetic. Personally. That Backlund, they're the true leader in the room. Yeah, He's going to be the captain. Uh, Richardson was your second line center oh. centering Lucic and Lewis. Was that supposed oh. to be a tough line or something? That's your tough line right there, boy. Look, I only saw the third period. I got home late. Um, I, I gotta that, be, yeah, I gotta be already, honest. I watched, I watched up until Nikita Zadorov's first penalty, which was about four minutes in, and then I had to tap out. So, by the time the third <laughs> period was on, it was already, I think, three or three nothing, or was it four nothing? And I'm, and they're like, oh, the Flames are going to the box again. This is penalty. Was it eight penalties? Did they have Flame, seven or eight? The Flames had seven penalties. They almost had as many. Uh, penalty minutes as they did shots on goal. Now, one less. Obviously, it's going to be one-sided when when the team you're playing is on the power play for 14 minutes. 
and you only get two minutes of power play time. But still, like you said, and I mean, here is the biggest takeaway, right? After the after the words, you're hearing some of the media guys on Twitter all oh, it's just strange. They just had no energy. They lacked emotion. Just like holy fuck, man! This is all we heard last year. So, who cares? It's preseason. But at the same time, if we didn't have fucking PTSD, <laughs> it wouldn't be so triggering to dress a lineup that absolutely shits the bed at home in a in very similar fashion that we've seen on the past two seasons. I am actually kind of slightly worried. Well, dude, I think there were some big red flags last night because four of the top six defensemen on this team or who this team thinks are four of the top six defensemen played last night. Yeah. Rasmus Anderson, Yusuf Valimaki, Erica Branson, and Nikita Zadorov played last night. Your um, second and third pairing were playing. Your first pairing wasn't. Branson. You, you still had Mackey, who played NHL games last season. Yeah. So, like, let's say five guys who you expect to be in the rotation this year. Like, they all stunk. Like, I, Rasmus Anderson got walked, like, more than once last night by an AHL-level Oilers player. <laughs> um. I, like uh, I can already say after watching Eric Branson play for like five minutes, Ooh. he's terrible. Dude is cooked. We can, we had to give two million to him, but saw Derek Ryan at one two five, and are like, nah, we'll take a Branson. Thank you. Like, what the shit, dude? He is bad. He's a bad hockey player. He is not good. I don't even get what like he's not even physical, is he? I don't know. I didn't see him hit anybody last night. Do you even have a hit? You do anything? It's terrible. What's he doing on this team? What's he doing making $2 million? Holy cow. But, yeah, I don't know those defense, which is my prime concern heading into this season. Like, that D looked like shit, so. Yeah, it sure did. Um, both pairings, Zidora Vanderson pairing and the Val Branson pairing struggled, from what I could see. They sure but did. We're not going to spend too much time on it because it's preseason. You'd be kind of crazy to spend too much time on it. But, I mean, you got Pelche in the lineup tonight. You had Pelche in the lineup in game one. I didn't see much from Pelche. I didn't see much from any of the young guys. Didn't see much of anything. I know Phillips is a tiny guy. He had a little bit of jump tonight in the first period against the Canucks. But, fuck, man, like, you're sitting here, and you're like, okay, is your, we're, we're already before training camp starts going through this roster. We'll tell you what the carcass is right off the bat, Brad. So you don't have to bother digging through it for two weeks at the end of the season. Your bottom six can't score goals. Maybe Dubé can. That's about it. Dubé just scored. Hey. Dylan Dubé from Oliver Shillington and Nick Simone on the power play. But yeah, your bottom six can't score to save your life. It's almost as if you could have used a guy like Derek Ryan in your bottom six, eh? Goal, goal and assist last night. The, the goalies were good, though. Vladar was amazing. I mean, they stopped fit. They faced 50 shots. That, uh, that little, whatever you call that, it was kind of like a semi scorpion save from Vidar. That was, that was epic. Yeah. But, dude, the bottom six, like our bottom six played top line minutes and did nothing. How many, how many shots did we manufacture as a group? 15. 15. One more against, than our total PIMS against an AHL team. Yeah. So, look, whatever, it's preseason, it's early, but still, 
Yeah, there's red flags for sure. 100. That, that defense looks like shit. So, um, I think Dan Vladar and Jacob Markstrom have uh, their work cut out cut out for them this season. And um, all I can think was like, I I can't wait until it's middle of the season, and this is all getting blamed on Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. <clears throat> but I digress. Jump on in. Jump yeah. on in. Okay, so today's focus is going to be. I mean, today's focus will be. What needs to go right for this team to have success this season? It's a lot of things. It really is. But let's start with the goaltending. I mean, for me, this is where I look first. Jacob Markstrom, he's, I mean, I think we're on the fence with him currently in terms of, look, we know he's a good goalie. We know he can play great. But is he that? How much are we paying him? Six mil? Yeah. Is he that guy you're going to go out and pay a, pre- a premium for to help you win games consistently throughout the season? Now, when I look at the goaltending situation, what needs to go right, I think you have to look at it as a tandem. I mean, what, what you've seen, the progression in this league is that the goaltenders can't play. How much did Baker Kuprasov play? You looked it up. Didn't he play, didn't he play seven? Food. He played like 79 games. It was something ridiculous in the 70s. So the last time Daryl Sutter had a really good goaltender. I mean, look at John Clay. Yeah, here's Kippers. Like, it's it's mind-boggling. <laughs> here's Kippers off games totals. Okay, 2005-2006, 74. 2006-2007, 74. The next year, 76. The next year, 76. The next year, 73, 71, 70. Holy hey, shit. So he plays 70 plus every season. You can't play Mark from 70 plus. You just can't. Or can you? What do you think? I think 65 tops. I think that's the upper limit. I mean, especially seeing is- what we saw last year from him where he, when he was run down, he yeah. was no good. The game has changed. It's something you got to manage. Vladar has looked solid so far. I've been actually pretty impressed. Um, and this was even before I saw him in game time action, just the way he fills it in practice. Um, so the tandem as a whole, like, what does this tandem need to do? I mean, sure, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, the backups got to back up the starter. They got to work well together. But what do you need to see from, from both these goaltenders in order to give you a good shot at, at making playoffs? Well, I think the big question, like, again, if you followed us for all, I'm still not sold on, I've never been sold on paying marks from that much money. Um, because just the very, the variability in their performance of goaltenders is, you know, not conducive to paying them a lot, but I think that's what it is. You need him to be stable. I think too many, too many nights this year, um, this past season, he was either incredible or not good at all. It's like, just give them, <laughs> I guess that's maybe with all goalies. It was like, just give us some stable starts, you know? Yeah. I Don't, think you got it. He, and when you're talking about stable, he's got to put together at least like 45 to 50 stable games. He doesn't have to play outstanding every night, but you, like the, the key measurement you always hear with goaltenders is, did they give you a chance to win the game? As long as he can do that for 45 to 50 games 
and then you spice in some like, yeah, he stole a couple. He was outstanding in that mix. I think that's probably going to be good enough in terms of what he brings. Yeah. And I like, depending on what you look at, he has been kind of consistently good. So that's what I'm expecting to get back to. He doesn't need to be the MVP of this team. He doesn't need to be standing on his head, stopping 50 shots tonight. Although if, uh, last preseason games of any indication he might, but he can't have the dips in his performance. He can't have the ups and downs that we saw last year where it's like for the first 10 games, he was unbelievable. Holy shit. Was he good? And then when the team was actually playing good, he was like just terrible. Although be it injured and overplayed for like 20 games in a row. So he needs to give the flames a, just a solid baseline of good net mining, reliable net mining, because I think under this Daryl Sutter system that's going to be so stingy, as long as he's stopping the shots he should be, we're going to be fine. Yeah. So I would say also coupled in that, he has to stay healthy. Yeah. If you if you lose him 10-plus games, that could be trouble. He has I mean, to be healthy, and it's contingent on the coach to manage his load properly, which yes. I'm not so sure that they're going to do. Keep an eye out. I think that's a big thing here is that if we learned anything from the last two seasons with both Riddick and Talbot and Markstrom is like, you can't overplay these guys, even if like, I don't understand why when they did overplay, especially Riddick and, and Markstrom, it's just like, it was a no brainer. It's like third game straight. You're like, what he's starting again. Well, this is a good, this is a good matchup for Dave coming up next game. Then, Oh, he's starting Markstrom starting again. Well, remember, we went through it game by game one episode where it's like, why is Markstrom's like playing like every single night after the Pearson incident where he got hurt? It was later revealed. He played like six games straight. It was ridiculous. Fucking fucking stupid is what it was. And like the previous year, like you're saying, like uh, uh, Talbot, was it Talbot? Yeah, Talbot didn't get in for like two months. Riddick played like 600 games in a row. It was ridiculous. It's like set set a schedule, like set a plan like and i remember us i remember us talking about this in the return to play um or not in the return to play we were talking about third string goalies it's like okay well is zagadulin gonna get a start and i was like oh well you can't start him like when are you gonna start him it's like all these other teams had literally no issue giving their guys like massive amounts of rest and playing these guys nobody had ever heard of but in calgary it's like yeah markstrom's playing again even though he's like blind deaf and dumb from a horrible <laughs> collision with another player. But yeah, which he's, was a, he's still which was playing a mistake, for the 800th time in a row. Which the collision happened because of a mental mistake due to fatigue. <laughs> yeah. So it's like all these other teams are playing their third stringers from the ECHL and their emergency backup goalies that nobody has ever heard of just because they know how to manage a load and they know that this season is condensed and that they need to have their guys ready to go. And then in Calgary, yeah, Marks was starting again, even though he's is both, he lost both his arms and legs last night in a horrific incident, but we think he's good. He's just the best chance to win. So it's like, he's playing doing? against his former team. So oh, yeah, happen. he's playing against Vancouver for the 19th time this season. So you just had to give him the opportunity to do that. You know, uh, Ward, you know, you guys are playing them six straight games. No, oh, no, you got to make sure you got to make sure he's playing all those games. So, oh, then why is Lebo in the press box? <laughs> so I think you're right. It, not only has this come down to what the individual players have to do, the coaching is a big part of this too in managing the workload. So we'll see. 
because historically Sutter is the opposite. He rides one guy, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens this season. I think if he goes down that route, it could be trouble. So something to watch out for. Yeah. And I mean, with Ladar, he's kind of an unknown, uh, unknown quantity at this point. I, I always have like, I never have any issue with like giving young goalies any, a chance. Like he feels like he could totally secure the spot like Riddick to me. Um, and again, under this Sutter system, it shouldn't be too hard for either goalie to, you just can't be terrible. Don't let the goals in that don't, don't be Mike Smith. That's the, that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's looked pretty good so far. Yeah. And I've liked Ladar a lot. If you look at his AHL numbers, we've covered it before. Like he's up, he's been up there with some of the best young goalies in the league. So I, I know it's a question mark. I I'm not like, I'm not applauding Bradtree living for like leaving our goaltending a question mark with a guy who's played like eight NHL games, but I do feel pretty confident that the door can be a competent backup. Yeah, you did. You did hear from Jay fresh. Um, the numbers on Markstrom are still kind of up in the air. I mean, this is a big kind of prove it season for Markstrom because oh, totally. I mean, your backup is, is not necessarily going to be saving you. Um, at least that's not part of the game plan. Yeah. All right. Next, let's look at the defense. The defense as a whole is quite a bit concerning. Um, we've talked about it at length already, but if you look at some of the pairings they've already rolled out with, um, they did have Zadorov with Tanev to start. I did just listen to an interview with Sutter, strictly speaking on Zadorov. And one of the things he mentions is he's, they're just trying to get him reps, trying to figure out who his his uh, best pairing is going to be. But like we said, he's slotted in to play the top four. So it's, it's either going to be one of three players, probably actually really only one of two, I guess. But um, he did play with Tana to start, but then he played with Anderson in the first game. Like you said, that pairing didn't look good. Um, oh, they look slow as shit. Was my <laughs> number sure one takeaway. I thought it was, um, I, I guess it was Valimaki and Kachuk that Sutter said needed to work on their foot speed, eh, in the offseason. He didn't tell Anderson to do that? <laughs> Slowest kind of fucking league. I don't know, man. Like, I, th- I'm already concerned with Anderson because, sure, it's preseason, it's early, but fuck, man. PTSD, I think he was our worst player last season. Oh, he totally was. And I've said it a million times, like he's the linchpin in all this because for how, like, I don't think Noah Hannafin, Noah Hannafin is going to be playing way over his head, but we know what he is. He's an okay top four guy. We have two seasons of that. Chris Hannafin should be a top four guy, even if he's not as good as, even if he's not as good as he was last year. And then the question mark is Rasmus Anderson because we have one year where he was really good in a uh, middle pairing slash third pairing role. And then the season where is is uh, he took on more responsibility? He was absolutely terrible. So I don't know where I'm at with Rastus Anderson. Now Hanfin and Anderson for a while. Not this wasn't last season, but I think the season before. Yeah, this was in the bubble. They had a good pairing, did they not? They were yeah, they were good. Together. And I remember, like that was the that was the year we like Hamannick and Hanfin were terrible. We were yeah. all mad, and we, then we thought it was Hanfin, but really it turns out it was Hamannick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then Rasmus came up and he moved up from the third pairing and uh, 
really slip. That was back in the days when we had Geo and Brody playing above those guys. Um, we'll just leave it at that. But uh, Anderson came up and solidified that second pairing, and they were really good. And specifically in the bubble, he and Hannafin were excellent. Yep. So maybe that's why they tried Tanif with Zadorov to start because they already know that Hannafin and Anderson have, have worked in the past. But um, I don't know. How do you think this is going to shape up in terms of what's the top pairing going to look like? You know it's Tanev, but it's probably going to start out Tanev Hannafin, eh? I feel like it's definitely going to be Hannafin. Like maybe they should try Tanev Anderson because, like you said, if if Anderson doesn't return to form, you're fucked either way. So if he can't return to form and you have him on the top pairing, maybe Tanev can like lessen that a bit. I don't know. Gonna well, look- I think. I don't know. I would kind of do, we've talked about this idea before is like pressure cook some guys. I wouldn't even yeah. mind the idea of like throwing Rasmus and Hannafin out as the top pairing and just be like, Kay Anderson, like it's now or never, but like prove, <laughs> I like how he's the guy we locked up. Eh? He like he plays good for like 50 games and Brad gives him a contract, but Monge is getting shafted every off season. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of like giving Anderson that role. I, I know they won't do it. And, I probably wouldn't do it either, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of throwing him out there with Hannafin and being like, okay, you guys are the top pairing. Let's see what you got and just see if, if you can, cause like if this is all that Anderson is, is like a middling middle pairing guy, like, Holy cow, that's a big mistake in terms of signing him to that length of the deal. So I wouldn't mind seeing what Anderson's got personally, but I still think it starts out Tanev Hannafin. I don't really know what other options you have at this point. Man, like I said, I'm I'm concerned because he looks slow as shit in game one. Totally. So, and like yeah, ima- he- like imagine that when it's he's all on the ice against McDavid oh, and Dreisaitl fuck, and Elias Pedersen. And <laughs> like it's not gonna be good. So he didn't get the memo eh, to work on his foot speed. <laughs> Did he work on anything? His hair, eh? He got some his his hair looks nice still. Yeah, but like like we mentioned at the end of the last season, by the end of the last season, you hate the guy so much. Now you hate the hair. Well, I, uh, the hair, he should have cut his hair. What is he doing? Like, don't you know that's what you do? Like, did you see Kachuk? Yeah, you got to came it up, in. Man. Dude came in slick as shit, ready to roll. He just looks old with that old hair. Eh? You just want to, sl- yeah, you got exactly. Keep it, you're freshening it up, man. Like, fuck. Exactly. So- you always see Johnny's always coming to camp fresh. It's either Pirates of the Caribbean or it's <laughs> or it's fresh. It's dapper, right? It's one or the other. So we talked on we talked about about pairings. Let's do a rapid fire on the individuals. I think as a, I mean, what needs to happen for you to make it to playoffs? And I think this is the biggest concern for me is your defense. And people argue, yes, yeah, Sutter's is going to be a defensive uh, style of play, but still, man, these guys got punked. Against AHL players in the game one, and, and sure you can't read too much into it, but fuck. This is my biggest concern for me is because here's here's my first thing I have is none of your top four or even five defensemen can get injured this season. Imagine if yeah. any one of these guys that you need to be good players play and actually plenty of most of them have to take a big step forward. Imagine if Tanav gets injured. Imagine if Hannafin goes If, down. when, like those both, Tanev has never played a full season in the NHL, ever. Hannafin's so, coming off an injury. Like, they're going to get hurt. 
It's going to happen. Even Anderson or Zadora or Valimaki. What that means is Gabranson's now in the top. Well, <laughs> I guess Valimaki would move to the top four, but then you're one more injury away from Gabranson. Remember, what was it? we did this last year. It was like Stone and who was it in the top four for a couple of games? Remember that? Oh, it was Nestrov. Stone and Nestorov, eh? Matching up against fucking... They're never going to play, though. They're just there for depth. You guys. So I'm worried, man. If you get any injuries, um, it's going to make a precarious situation um, even more so. So, like, let's just hope that we can get through an 82-game season relatively unscathed. But, I mean, you you got you see the style of play that these guys are going to be playing. It's going to be hard-nosed hockey. So, um, I don't oh, know. Geez, wor- I'm, I'm worried. I'm big-time worried about this defense. Yeah, it's been my number one concern since, since before Gio was gone. And they didn't address it in the offseason at all. And it's just like, it's. And the other thing is, too, like, nobody is going to score from that back end. Valamaki. That's it. Like, yeah. like, like, that's it. Like, that's going to be a problem for a team. Like, we've been talking about, like, you can't score a fucking goal. Having guys who don't move the puck very well. Like, okay, that was another takeaway from last night. Again, preseason game, but when four of your top six defensemen are playing and they can't break out of their fucking zone, it's a little weird. Um, Yep. Moving Change the puck up. Passes. Yeah. yeah. Look like look like uh the Ottawa games from last season. Totally. Like is is that the tape they were watching before the game? Um, but moving the puck up the ice and scoring goals on from that getting goals from that back end is gonna be is gonna be something that doesn't happen very often. So I don't know, man. Worrisome. Tanev needs to at least come somewhat close to replicating what he did last season. Look, he doesn't have to replicate it full on. If he does, we're super happy, especially if he can stay healthy. But if he can at least somewhere get close to replicating what he did last season, um, I think that's all you really can ask from Tanev. Um, Hannafit, on the other hand, he needs, he needs to take a step. Yeah, he and, needs, and I I'm not like we've said this before. He's played 100 million games. I don't think he can, but he needs to at this point. And it doesn't have to be a, a breakout, a leap. It's like you need to get better than you have been. Yeah. Um, especially if you're going to be playing top pairing. Like we can't be talking next offseason. Like, is this year Noah Hannafin breaks out? Just this wait. Year? He's oh, only 25 now. Guys, just wait. It's like he. it's now. Now's the time, bro. Yeah, Anderson obviously needs to rebound. We've discussed him. Zadorov needs to prove he's worth how much are we paying him? 3.75 mil. Okay. He just needs to be worth, he needs to play like he's worth 3.75 mil. And then I'll be happy. Like play defense like you're worth 3.75 mil. For me, that's all I'm asking out of Zadorov. Isn't it? It's funny that like everyone's like, Hannafin's still so young. It's like he's not even that much younger than like Lindholm and Monahan. Isn't that weird? I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about, Zadorov? I know you want to see him reinstate the tunnel of death, tunnel of doom. Oh fuck! I hope he's not taking penalty. Like Jesus, how many penalties did the Flames take? Like right? Like they're ugh. Oh, and there's all the same fucking backlands in there. Like stop taking penalties. Hey, the Flames just scored again. But like he can't be taking penalties. And again, like I said, he looked slow. He looked slow. Maybe I was just looking for it. He looked slow. Yep. 
Connor Mackey just scored. This is by Luke Philp. Ew. Beauty. Beauty. So, um, and then Val Mackey, I think it's pretty safe to say he needs to have at least somewhat of a breakout season. This guy's got to come onto the scene this season if if you want to see this decor actually um, play well enough to sustain playoff hockey. This guy's got to show us why we didn't trade him for Mark Stone this season, essentially. And then as far as Gabranson is concerned, I just think he needs to get hurt. He needs to. <laughs> yes, right? he needs to get hurt because everyone's like, oh, send him to the minors. This team is, has no intention of not playing Gabranson. He's yeah. there to play. Sorry, guys. He's making two mil. He's playing. So uh, he needs to get hurt. I don't wish it upon anybody, but. And then we guess he's Stone coming over uh, Shillington. Fuck, dude. How, what world is this where I'm like, please give me Michael Stone? Please. Can I have Stone over Gabranson? Jeez. So let's move up to the forward group unless you had anything else you want to touch on defense. We no, have but I mean, like, just the Juvens and Shillington. It's like he is he has all the skill sets that this, that this decor is missing. It just would be an absolute shame for them to stuff him in the press box again when he's, like, one of the only guys – on that back end, who can skate, move the puck up the ice, and create offense. And again, for all the talk about, oh, he sucks defensively. He's terrible. He's they suck. He played eight games last year. Was it eight or was it six? He played eight fucking games last year. I just taught. I just watched uh, Sarah thing. I think it was. I can't remember who asked, but it was a good question. They asked him about Shillington, the coach Sutter. And Sutter said, "Well, yeah, here's what he's good at. You know, you know, speed, skill, he's got good fitness. You know, blah blah blah." And then Sutter goes, "But he only played eight games last year." Yeah, we know. Well, Could you play him more? Like, can you, Matt? Like, this is what I've always said: is like, I think if if he had been given the developmental runway or a chance to play as much as Rasmus Anderson has been. Oh, dude, imagine him um, in Anaheim five years ago when they had all those young D playing. Montador, Montour. Yeah, like uh, Shea Theodore was there too. Theodore. Yeah. But, like, I mean, you look at the season that that Anderson and Shillington kind of came up together was the 18-19 season. Shillington plays 38 games that year. Anderson 38? Plays, he played 38 only. Anderson played eight last year. 79. And then Shillington plays 48 the next year, and Anderson plays... 70 and Anderson gets this big huge contract and sure he was very I, like I'm not denying Rasmus Anderson was good for those two years but it's like the guys played 95 NHL games and everyone's like oh he sucks defensively he's terrible like he's barely played <laughs> drives me crazy yeah see what you've gotten him anyway we're gonna well we will get to coaching but I gotta say man like as as much as I get confident when I hear Sutter at the podium. And he, this guy seems like he's so dialed in. Some of the decisions he makes makes so makes my head, dude. Like, is yeah. he might is he is he just is he too old school? Well, again, you watched you watched last night and you were like, you said like, what did you say about Richie? You're just like Nordstrom. Like, I'd rather have Nordstrom. Richie is worse than Nordstrom. Like, and you know Richie's a guy that Sutter loves and will rely on heavily. And it's just like, holy shit, he's bad. So I agree. He's fucking terrible, man. Like some of the he's, decisions. Well, he's playing in the, and here's and here's my red flag. Tonight's lineup, top line, Manji Pawnee's in the lineup. Okay, good. You got an actual top six player playing. I mean, 
Manji Pontes looked great from what I saw the first period. Dubé at center. Sutter said they want to take a look at Dubé at center. He's played as center, center in the past. But then why is he, why, why, why is Richie on the top line with those two? It's there or something. Like, seriously, what, what good does that do? Putting Richie on there. You know, the guy sucks. Does you know that anything Dubé and Manjapani do is going to be nullified by him, right? Like we saw it all last, we saw it for 30 plus games last season. He's doing, he's going to do dick all for you in the top six. And I get it. It's playoff. It's a preseason game. I'm not going to read into it. But my problem is, is why you put him in a preseason game? At least he had him. In the Hopefully they line. cut him. At least he had him in the fourth line in the first game. But is this a reward? No. I don't know. The love affair with Richie just really boggles my mind. It Look, really does. I, I don't even like Brett Richie's face. I'm really sorry, Brett. He's probably no. really, he's probably a really nice guy. But like, I've grown a hate on for his face because yeah, of the last season. I know what his face looks like, and I hate it. <laughs> hate his body. I just like <laughs> hate the whole thing, man. See, as soon as you see that, uh, what do you call it? Was like a fridge, right? <laughs> I swear to God, like he probably like smells a, like he like probably smells rectangle. like you know when you go into like a deli and like a weird grocery store and it's like the weird lunch meat section that's what he smells like it's like oh weird, yeah because he's just pounding cold cuts all weird time. lunch meat in a gross deli that's what brett ritchie probably smells like so look for the giant rectangle on the screen with the stupid face he's always out that's of breath too that's really slow that's really i just oh the slow players are really fucking getting on my yeah you Hooray, can't dude, you can't okay. deal with it you can't it's deal with it. it's preseason i'm just Take a breath here. Like you could suck and be fast, and it's like that's what I've said about like Simon and Norton least, last year. It's like at least Lomb- they can skate. Remember Lombardi? Yeah. At least he was like exciting, getting like 12 fucking breakaways a game. He never score, but at least he's fun to watch and can skate. Reader was kind of like that. Oh, yeah. He could skate, but he sucked. But you know, I'll take skate and suck over can't skate and suck every day of the week. I don't know. I don't understand why. I, I honestly, just another major indictment on Tree Living re-signing this guy. But maybe maybe it's not even Tree Living's fault. Maybe Brad or uh, Daryl has told him to do it. Like, I fucking don't know, man. But to me, that's a that's a red flag for me. Yeah, big time. All right. Um, let's go to the top six. I think um, you've seen the line combos to start the, start the, the training camp. Chucky Lindholm and, Lindholm and Coleman. It seems like they're they're going to roll with that probably to start the season, which means Johnny and Monty are back together with Monge. I want to get your take on on the reuniting. I know it's been a real topic of conversation for Flames fans the past two seasons. We were all dying to get them split up. They split them up last season. They both look great separated. Now they're back together, but they finally have a winger. I know Johnny was even mentioning it in his comments. Tell me what you think about this so far. Well, okay. I, firstly, I wanted to start with the Coleman thing because Daryl did mention it. And like when I first saw it, I was like, well, fuck, you finally split up Monahan and Gaudreau when he and Kachuk were getting some reps and looked really good. But then I thought about it and I listened to what Daryl said. And Daryl was pretty much saying that, you know, Coleman can play with those guys. They play a, a 200 foot game. Just wanted to get a look with those guys. And I actually really, really, really like that line. Yep. Because like, if that's a top line that is consistent with what the flames have been wanting out of a top line for the past, however many years, which is a top line who can go head to head with other teams, top lines and drive play against them. 
and win their battles at five on five. I, I think that would be a really good line. Like that, that's a that's a line they can score. That's a line they can play in their own zone. That's a line they can forecheck, be a pain in the ass to play against on the boards. So I do really like that. And then arguably, if Coleman's on your top line, and like you said, they have the ability to play a drive and do their own thing, that means Johnny can play on the second line. That means your second line is obviously going to have more scoring. And like, again, for all the think pieces and time we've spent talking about splitting up Monaghan and Goudreau, putting them back together does solve, the, at least in theory, if Monaghan can not suck it. And you have Manjapani there because they have a proper winger. It does solve the slotting issue with Monaghan because if you split up Goudreau Monaghan, it just creates a fucking headache of what to do with Monaghan. Like, what else do you do with the guy? Right? Yep. Like you play him on the third line, move him to the wing, play him on a second line with Coleman and Manjipani. It just creates all kinds of issues if you move those two guys away from each other just because they are the two best offensive players on the team when they're if Monahan's not sucking. And to have them on separate lines means you 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 create inefficiencies in your lineup elsewhere. So I don't know. We'll see where this goes, but I am a lot more open to Monahan and Gaudreau reunited than I might have than I would have thought I would have been specifically because they have a winger who doesn't suck. Yep. Yeah. I'm in the same boat, man. Um, coming in, I was pretty, I guess I convinced myself that they were going to keep the top line back together. And then it was a matter of, okay, is it going to be Backlund or Monaghan centering Coleman and Mangiapane? But I also am pretty excited about the chance of Ken Monaghan. If he's healthy, apparently it was game four or six last season. That his yeah, he said, he, was, he said he was all year pretty much. So if that's been fixed, and then that's another big concern, right? I mean, this guy seems to just get injured now. That's that's what he does. So, but if it works, if it works, and we even mentioned this on the last podcast, how much of Monty's struggles have been because the right wing has been a revolving door of junk. Right, like like uh, Jack mentioned it. He's like talking about another analyst saying that Monahan doesn't carry the puck anymore. Well, who's who's his wingers too? Like they don't carry the puck. You think Brett Ritchie is busting through the neutral zone end to end? How about Dom Simon? I don't think so. I'm also really curious not only to see the reuniting, but to have a winger like Monge, who's obviously he's come on the scene, totally proven that he belongs in the top six. Sutter even knows it. I mean, look, to round out the, the, the you know, the, the what the final 20 games of last season, Monge wasn't in the top six for the last 20, was he? He was kind of up and down still. Yeah, they were doing weird lineup things. He was playing with Lucic and Backlund. They seem to like pairing him with Backlund, it appeared. Yes. So much to, I think, the detriment of the team, Monge wasn't getting top six minutes. Yeah. But I feel like he goes off, does the Worlds, gets the MVP. Now it's a no-brainer slam dunk. You know, and Sutter knows. There's no dicking around with Mangiapane anymore. He's a top six player. He's going to play top six minutes. Should play top Perfect six. Perfect time minutes. to have him be on an expiring contract. Stick him with Johnny Gaudreau and play him in the top yeah. six, and he scores like 150 fucking points. Yeah. Yeah. Timing, Brad. Like, good. Fucking, um, you know, there's that, that part of me that just wants to. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, you lost. You lost Mangiapane, Brad. You fucking idiot. Anyways. 
And yeah, I like, I know there was a few people, including myself who were kind of like, well, you know, thinking through where to put Coleman and Mangiapane and if you should have them on the same line with Backlund in a very specific, in like a buzzsaw line, like we've said before. But you know you need goals. Yeah, but you need goals, right? And I mean, if you if you, if you put Mangiapane with, with Kachuk and Lindholm, I think Mangiapane has more offensive ability than Coleman does and Coleman might have more defensive ability as under a Sutter system than Mangiapane does just because he's very physical, hard on the forecheck. So I really do actually like that as a strategic yeah. um, move, having Mangiapane with those two guys, because the the career year of Gaudreau and Monaghan, where they were unbelievable, came when Lindholm, with, with the first time in ever, you heard Johnny say it in his press conference, he goes, oh, he had Lindholm for a while there, and it's been three, four, five, six guys. And, yeah. Well, so, you, you're <laughs> going to throw it in, aren't you? Yeah, I'll put it in right here. I think me and Monty, we played with, you know, four, five, six different guys again. So it'd be nice to, you know, just try to, you know, find, you know, a guy that can stick with us and then we can play, you know, a good, you know, month, two months with and create some chemistry because, you know, it's it's been a while since I think we had Lindholm for a year. We had Furlan for about a year. We had Hoodler for about a year. But since then, I mean, you know, when we find a guy that, you know, can read us well on the ice and we can create some good chemistry with and, you know, string along some games. I think it's really important for, for me and Monty. I, I know where Monty's at all the time on the ice, so I, lo- I love playing with Monty, so that's that's awesome. But, you know, we find someone that can, you know, work with us. I think that'll that'll be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard him. Hoodler. Yeah, had Furlan there. Oh, yeah. Then it was just a bunch of dog shit. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll say it right off. We'll say it for you. Dog shit. So it's funny to me that Gaudreau and Monaghan have the best year of their career with a not even superstar winger, a competent winger, a guy who can put the puck in the back of the net and a guy who most notably is at least competent in his own zone and can give them what those two guys need, which is somebody who, if they get stuck in their own zone, can get the puck out of the, out of their, out of the D zone. Wait, is, Pony, is 99 points. That's good. I guess when you're not playing with a fucking anchor, I mean, Brett Ritchie or Dom Simon, or having Backlund on your wing for some fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, the one like true bred centerman. Hey, you know fucking... the one guy who's really good at center. Yeah, put him on the wing. Yeah, the one guy that is like a like true and true. He's a center. Yeah, let's put him on the wing. <laughs> Night, any, anyways, if this Monji because Monji Pawnee's better than Lindholm, I think, and he's a better defensive player than Lindholm, I think. Maybe he his goal scoring is not at that level yet, but if you look at his goals per sixty. Like the dude is up there. Like I, I did, I wrote an article about like Coleman a while ago and was pointing out, yeah, Coleman's goal rates are, are really strong with Tampa Bay. Like Manji Pony has similar goal rates to like Braden Point. It's unbelievable. This guy can score. He and Johnny Gaudreau could be a deadly duo uh, of the ilk of 2018, 2019 Gaudreau and Home Monahan. I think that could be really amazing and really awesome. And the great thing about where Mangiapane's at now in his career is like it's not gonna it's not gonna go to his head or like jinx, he's not gonna jinx himself. I mean, you see this all the time with these younger players. They get a chance to play with a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, legit superstar, right? And then they just kind of like they don't know what to do. They try to pass to him too much. Yeah. They don't know where you like blah blah blah. But Mangiapane, he's arrived. He's not gonna care. He's he knows what he has to do. Just stick to his game. So. I think it's good timing. And I think the other reason why I like 
putting them back together is because if you're looking at the top six, or you look at the forward group, if this team is going to have success, Monaghan needs yeah. to have a resurgence. If Monaghan doesn't score 25 goals for you this season, you're probably not making the playoffs. Totally. Because who the fuck else is going to score? Exactly. Michael Backlund? Yeah. Go to like shit last name. <laughs> You've got it. Exactly. It's, it's, you have to go in on Monaghan. Otherwise, you're toast anyway. So you have I to think, play to his strengths or you're yeah. toast. I think it's a really, really smart play to start the season off, go all in, and then if it's not going to work, you can always adjust it. Then to have to try and, like, you know, pray that it works later on in the season when you figure out you can't score any goals. Yeah, because, again, like everyone, we've talked about this a hundred times in the with the trade Monahan, trade Monahan, trade Monahan. Yeah, well, then who's going to score? This guy has scored more goals than 99% of the players in this league since entering the, in, since entering the league in 2013, 17th. I, I looked it up. He, since 2013, only 16 players have scored more total goals than Sean Monahan. So you need this guy. You need him to bounce back and you need him to score goals. Those players are Phil Kessel, Evgeny Malkin, Nathan McKinnon, Vladimir Tarasenko, Nikita Kucherov, Patrice Bergeron, Tyler Sagan, Jimmy Ben, Steve Snamkos. So, I mean, like... Those, are, those guys suck, though! They're all so fucking lazy! They should all be traded, those bums! Look, I hated Monaghan as well last season. <laughs> but, like, again, he needs to resurge back to that guy that belongs in the top 20 in scoring since 2013. Well, yeah, it's top 20, and that's the, I end mean, of the day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's October 16th, and yes. Starts tonight. I mean, starts the season. Hey, folks, In the Dome is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now this is for American listeners only, so Canadians don't get all excited and go out and be betting all the time. Week three of football is in the books, and it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL kick off another action-packed week. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. Promo code is THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. you got to be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to the show. So third line, fourth line, we talked about it. It looks like right now you're looking at Dubé back on Pitlick. I don't know the status on this is on Pitlick. Hopefully it didn't break anything because... Brett Ritchie season, baby. That means Brett Ritchie and Milan teacher. That line is weird to me. Like, okay, Backlund and Pitlick, sure, defensive. Dubé needs to take a step this year. He needs to be better. Like, it's like we're talking about with Hannafin, but I think even more so for Dubé. He can't be what he was last year, which was pretty much a five-on-five anchor for anyone he's playing with. If he's playing with two guys in Backlund and Pitlick, you're going to rely heavily to play D-zone minutes and play tough minutes. He has got to be on top of his game, and, and he needs to take a step this year for sure. Yeah, I think he probably will. But it, 
he needs uh, some coaching in order to do that. Yeah. I know that I know that he's a guy that seems to me that Sutter's got he's got him pegged for like you know working with him. So I'm sure that Kirk is already on it. But um, yeah, I agree. He might be the guy that if there's any injuries, he's going to fill the gap in the top six. So he's going to have to make some hay on the on PP two as well. I like to see I like to see uh, Monge on PP one. Oh hell's yeah. I mean, dude, dude, you know dude, screw the defenseman on the back end. Like, who you have Anderson back there? Fuck that. Get the five man unit out there, eight, the five man forward unit out there. And let Lindholm take the fucking face off. Fuck. If I have to see Sean Monahan lose 50 straight power play face offs again, I will lose my shit. <laughs> you want to touch on the every time run? it happens, it's like they're on the power play down the ice. Yeah. Oh, there's Lindholm setting. Yeah, let's have the guy who had away. 15 wrist surgeries in the last two months. Can't him take the draw. Because apparently his hip's broken hips again. Bro- he can't even bend down to get the draw because his hip is wrecked. Sean, make me- sure you're taking that draw. Meanwhile, Lindholm's like fucking uh, 65% winning. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Anyhow, let's uh, go to the fourth it's line. It's going to be a fun season, man. How, how'd you like that fourth line of Lucic, Richardson, Richie well, in game one? I what, don't, weren't I, they like... I thought they. I, I thought Richardson what? was terrible. To be honest, let me ask you: What is their identity going to be? Well, Daryl was talking about how their winners winning, winning. Um, oh yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's Monahan. Daryl's even deeper though. Daryl's like deep, deep. I can't even do Daryl. It's like Darryl. shit, dude. Oh, uh, um, I don't know, man. Lucic is what he is. He threw a well, big this, hit, I guess. But this was um we this is a good time to throw us in there because this is when Francis <laughs> tries to say, Oh, Daryl, you got all this Daryl, all your type of players this summer, didn't you? Can you just talk a little bit about the additions from the summer? Obviously, a lot of them had connections to you. Yeah, no, they didn't. They have connections with winning and experience, and that's what it is, right? If you just look at the one line today with Brad and Luch and, and Trevor. So those have been the guys that have connections with, but the connection is they have four Stanley Cups. This organization needs that. <laughs> so, yeah, good comeback. I know. <laughs> it's because they're winners that we got them, Eric. Well, my favorite is friends just talking under his mask to his dumb little... If his voice wasn't annoying enough as it is... I know, I can hear it under muffled under that goddamn mask. Oh fuck! Imagine what that thing smells like. <laughs> so this they're probably line, he's probably they're probably going to continue the, if when the mask requirements lifted, they're probably just going to continue to make Francis wear a mask. All the media guys will request is like, "Fuck it, he still wear a mask." Because God, I don't have to smell him anymore. While we're on the the Francis bashing, let's throw in the Zadorov. <laughs> um, and this is this is the thing with Francis. It's like he can't, he's like some weird, twisted fucking, like that kid at school is just like, he, oh, oh, he can't wait till the first day that he can fucking question these players to start trying to make them feel like shit, put them down and tell them how bad they are. Listen to his question of Nikita Zordov. First time you ever converse with the guy. People from the outside thought, well, he wasn't playing top four in Chicago. Can he play top four here? You've had experience playing top four. 
in your career? Can you just talk about that? You're not worried about this. Well, I played top four last year not in Chicago. Well, I mean, I don't know. Did you guys watch hockey? No. <laughs> and I played top in the top top uh, deeper with Murphy for like 80% of the game. So, so I mean, uh, I'm open for. Well, the thing is, it's not. He doesn't even question them, right? Like you heard him. Yeah. It's never talk, question. He, can he you tell us why you yeah, suck? He tells a, says a derogatory thing, like, so you fucking suck. Can you talk about that? Tell us is about it, that. Is it safe to say you suck? Remember the, remember the Lindholm thing last, last year? <laughs> hey, fucking, Elias. So what happened? Shoot, what happened there? Did you see his glove? Did you shoot it in his glove? So, can you tell us? So good little roast. It seems to me like by the reaction with Coleman and, and it seems to me like they already knew. They already knew that this guy, this is the piece of shit you got to look out for. It's a door off um, game beauty status, by the way. Like he right? gets, he's slow as fucking sucked last night, but I, I got a soft sauce for him now. Yeah, that's all it takes. Just roast that piece of junk and you're in our good books automatically. He asked, he asked Kachuk something similar. He's like, oh, you're uh, can you talk about how you didn't play much during the whistles and weren't very uh, hard to play against last year? Oh, yeah, it was, um, you know, you know, you seem to shy away from the after yeah. the whistle stuff. Chuck's Instead, like, I don't really make my living after the whistle, you dweeb. Hey, at least it wasn't as bad as Matheson. You hear what Matheson said to Koskinen? <laughs> Matheson. Straight up says to Koskinen, yeah, so uh, over the summer, you know, pretty much the whole entire fan base wanted the new goaltender. How do you feel about that? Yeah, these that's their method, both these guys, eh? Say something shitty and then go, could you talk about it? How are you feeling about that? Tell me about that. Where did these guys go to journalism school? So what do you need to see out of the... Th- what do we need to see out of the third line and the fourth line this season in order to bring success? Well, Dubé needs to take a step both offensively, but I think he, as a whole, five on five, he needs to be a player who doesn't sink the line, which he did. Backlund needs to contribute. But man. fuck, dude, Backlund needs to be better. And he can't look like a fucking little child lost in the woods out there. there like, too many games last season. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, like Michael Backlund. See, this is where I get a little annoyed with it. We've talked about this before, but like the Sean Monaghan, people crush him, suck, suck, suck. It's like, I don't know, the past few years, outside of like a stretch in 2019, 2020, right before the bubble or right before the shutdown, where he was unreal, he, Back like, was, he, yeah. he hasn't been very good very often over the past has, three years. Has he scored any playoff goals? If you had to guess how many playoffs, well, he scored the overtime winner against Anaheim like 20 years ago. Yeah, the one from the blue line? Or no, that yeah. was. But if you had to guess how many playoff goals he scored, how many would you guess? In how many playoff games? He has scored. How many playoff games has he played? What the shit? Ha- oh, I guess they're counting the bubble playoffs. No. Outside bubble playoffs, he has three playoff goals in 30, I was gonna say, 30 games. I was going to say three. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like a big backland guy. I love the guy, but like too many times this year for a guy who is supposedly one of the biggest leaders on this team, Daryl even always mentions him, for a guy who makes as much money as he does and bears as much responsibility. Again, like he was fucking awesome for like five, six years there, but 
It's true. When he disappears, like no one mentions it. Exactly. He's gone and everyone just kind of forgets about it. Right. So in, in Monahan and Gaudreau and Kachakar, like they're the best players on the team, but I mean, Backlund's not far out of that conversation and he often gets left out of the criticism. So he needs to have a solid season for sure. The fourth line, what are they supposed to do? Just beat up on people? Like, I guess. Does... I don't know what the purpose is. I don't get it. They hit. What do they do? Like, what would you say if, the, if your fourth line is Lucic, Richardson, and Richie? What can they do to to bring us success as a, as a whole? I have like, no, literally, don't know. Like, if I it's, it, if it's if Lewis they, and Richardson there instead of Richie, I guess they do provide an element of defensive for some and like shutdown ability. Do you, want, just, do you want them though against uh, top lines? No, but like that's what you I'm just, saying is like for me a fourth line on. is a fourth line that uh, a fourth line is, is are guys who like remember the Hathaway Ryan Manjapani fourth line that's a fourth line that is that get yeah. that gives you strategic advantage because yep. they're good in their own zone but they score goals yep so you're relying on two two lines to score goals for you like maybe they're gonna wear down the defenseman cause some injuries sure like, throw some hits I don't and, know and don't get scored on. Like they're not, this is not, not scoring. This is not going to be a fast line. <laughs> it's not fast. And that's my worry, right? It's like, if it was all the defensive impacts are good. Yeah. But I mean, you unite all these guys who are slow as shit. Yeah. Put them against the, matter. Gets the Ottawa fourth line. They're going to get eaten up. Right. Like you get a cycle going with a, with a, with a, with a line, like a third or fourth line on a team like Vancouver or Ottawa, or even the Oilers who are mobile and fast and skilled, like you're going to get eaten alive in their own zone. So I don't know. Like, I guess they're, they're just there because of experience, but on the ice, I don't like the three of them combined. Like, I really don't. And maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe Lewis, I think Lewis probably is a bit more quick and a bit more uh, mobile and competent than, than I think he is. But I mean, when you have Lucic, if there's a Lucic Richie connection, like, that's trouble. Oh. So, whew. I, I just don't, again, like, like you said, I don't know what the, what's the purpose. I don't get it. Well, I guess maybe we'll find out and hopefully we'll be impressed. <laughs> like, so this brings us this brings us to the coaching, to Sutter. Um, I mentioned I am a bit worried just because he's the guy that fucking wanted to Branson. And Richie. And Lewis. And Richardson. So, man, like, fuck. I really hope this, I really hope he's, he's not past his, his, whatever you call it. We know he's not his prime, but hopefully the game hasn't passed him by. I well, mean, whenever, yeah, I, like you, like I said earlier, you listen to him; everything makes so much sense. So, but I am a little concerned with what I've seen so far with the Richie thing again. Like, I know that's PTSD. Look, it's just preseason. I'm not going to read too much into it, but I do have a shred of, I don't. It's not doubt, but it is worry. Well, yeah, and it comes back like. I know we talked about it in Aussie last season. He wanted to create a new standard for this team and how they play. And like, that's why guys like Valimaki and Shillington weren't playing, but at the same time, right? Like, yes, that's always just... in the back of your mind where it's like, what the fuck is Michael stone playing for again tonight? I'm just so sick of hearing how you need to have all these experienced guys who have won yeah. when, the, when it hasn't, Translated to success. We've tried that 48 times and spent millions of dollars on it. Lucic has been here for two years. He was brought in for that specific purpose, and the Flames have had the two worst seasons they've had in, like, the last decade. So, look, if you're going to go off and spout about it, I want to see it actually 
work. <laughs> exactly. I, I wouldn't argue with it or be worried about it if I've seen it work before. Oh, shit. So that is the one thing. What I have seen work is scoring some fucking goals. Yeah. 18-19, eh? How'd we do? Is first overall, is that good? I can't tell. Asking you for a friend right now. Eh? Fuck. Anyways, that's my one little area of concern. But I do have enough trust in the guy that it's not going to bother me until, unless, I should say, it does manifest something. Well, and, yeah. And like, I don't know with Sutter for better or for worse, he's always playing the long game. Um, <laughs> I know, but he knows he has one more year. To I know, for better or for worse. It's just like, um, yeah, you need to win the Stanley cup this year now. Like, and it is weird again, because like for flames fans of our age who like came up with him and were coming, becoming fans when he was the coach the first time, it was like, this guy could do no wrong. He saved the franchise, yada, yada, yada. And then he went to LA and won those cups. And it's like, fuck, this guy's awesome. But I don't really remember being cognizant of like the lines and stuff back then. And like, what was actually going on? I was probably just like, woohoo. We like, it's funny if you watch some of those old games from 2004, like over the summer during the shutdown, they, they had, they aired like game seven versus Vancouver. Holy shit. That was one of the worst games I've ever Rewatch upon rewatching, so boring. Nothing happens. It's like literally the game plan was nothing happens until Jerome gets a chance and yeah. buries it. That's until it. The last 30 seconds of the game, nothing happens. It's like, holy crap. So get ready for some low event hockey, everybody. Ugh. All right. Um, I don't think we need to touch on uh on Brad. Do we? I mean, anything else that speaks to you in terms what of... What is with his outfits these days, by the way? Dude, oh, man. <laughs> you, you want to talk about a face that I've grown to hate? <laughs> like, fuck, man. I he literally was, have I have uh, literally grown to hate his face. I oh hate my it. God. See, one of my... One of my uh, I just Googled Brad Living and then went to the news section. CTV Calgary GM Bradshaw Living still looking for ways to improve the team. Oh yeah, okay, bud. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, you, he would, eh? Yeah, yeah. But he was wearing like what the what the shit was he wearing the other day? He had like a, like a great... weird polo thing with like some plaid uh, jacket on. Yeah. Oh man, glasses and his dumb face. Oh man, I don't get that guy for a millionaire executive. He looks like a dork all the time. Yeah, pretty pretty much. All right. Um, like, are you the GM of a hockey team, or are you a twelfth grade math teacher? Okay, seriously. Like, if you met him, just randomly on the street one day, you have no clue what he what he did for a living. What would you guess he did? Like a grade four math teacher in a small town, Alberta. Mister Tree Living. I, I would guess he seems more like a science teacher to me. Okay. Biology. Droll. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not chemistry. Looks too stupid for that. Uh, him and Jeff Ward will be working at the same elementary school. Yeah, no shit. Okay. Anything else in terms of um, what needs to go right? Anything else that you want to add into that? Everything. Everything. All those things we just mentioned. Well, okay. I mean, the Sutter fact, like Sutter has to be able to turn this team into a team that's better than the sum of its parts because we just discussed they are lacking in some areas. Big time. Yeah. So what's the score in the game now? Still 3-2? Two? 4-2 two now. 
4-2 with four minutes left in the third. It's going to be another loss. So you're looking at these first two games, and luckily we mentioned, throw it out under the rug, even though there are some little question mark areas because of what we've seen in the past. That's all it is. It's what we've seen in the past that hasn't worked, that they seem like they're still trying. And those are the big fucking red flags. Well, and again, like you, you haven't watched. You've, nobody's been to the Dome for two years. It's the first game back, and they look like they'd rather be anywhere else. Right? Lucic. Like, geez, Louise. Yeah, Backlund looked like he was on another planet again, dude. It's like, Lucic, do you have a heartbeat? These are the guys who are telling... Sorry, Steve, to you. These are the guys telling Kachuk to cool down in an empty building. Chuck, you stop! Stop yeah. being so emotional! Give me a riot! Matthew, stop! Fuck. We're going to help you win some of your battles, but we're not going to fight them all for you. It's too much. Can't handle it. Too much. So, I, I mean, here's the thing. You go out in the offseason. Apparently, your MO is you get tougher to play against. Oh, this is going to be a real tough team to play against. Eh? Looked pretty tough to play against last night. That AHL team had their hands full against them, eh? Like, you had Gubranson, you had Zadorov, you had Richardson, you had Lewis, you had Lucic, you had Richie. <laughs> and <laughs> were they hard to play against? Were they tough to play against? Uh, maybe maybe they got reversed. They they thought that they were supposed to be tough to play against, not fun to play against. <laughs> Xavier Ulet and all these like weird guys you've never heard of are just like this is fun. I'm skating skating uh skating around pylons here. Like look how slow these guys are. Holy! All right. <sighs> okay. Um. Did we get to all the? The interviews because that's been um you had all the the preseason interviews with all the players we got the Zadora roasting Francis Johnny with his line mates that's still funny to me um I think the other one we wanted to throw in there was uh Matthew Kachuk right taking ownership talking about basically being a leader yeah like did you hear anybody else like that's what I don't understand everyone's like oh he's not ready He's not. It's like anytime I hear Matthew Kachuk talking about the Calgary Flames, it's like, yeah, he's the Is only there anybody? guy who a has the fucking uh, knowledge of what's wrong with the team and can articulate it clearly. He's talking about how he's like, you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. He says, haven't won the first game of the season since I've been here. Throw what's it that in. about. Throw it in. I can't remember once since I've been here where we've had a good start and put ourselves in a great spot from, you know, the first 10, 15 games, even the year that we ended up winning the West, we were 500, however many games in. So, I mean, the schedule definitely is in our favor early. Um, so we've got a lot against us, but talking about it today, um, you know, we have to be, you have to be playing playoff hockey in the regular season. And for us to get to that mindset, we have to treat uh, preseason like it is the normal, uh, like it is the normal season. So, um, you know, we can't just ease our way into it when we're playing in the games. You have to be flying out there. You have to be. There's no easing into it. So um, that the regular season isn't a shock because I know that first game in Edmonton isn't going to be. Uh, no, they're not going to be easing into it up there. So um, we have to be ready. And um, 
I don't know, just getting off to a good start. I can't tell you last. I don't. I don't think I've won the first game in the regular season since I've been here. So um, you know, it all starts with that first one, and that's what we're gearing up for right now. Right. There's a guy who's a leader and knows what's going on. Literally, everybody else just kind of. Got their Makes thumb up their ass. Well, it's great to be back. I'll beep a doop a doop a doop a doop a doop I love being back with the boys. They talk about a lot of kind of it's cliche. With Chucky, you get straight answers. You get straight and perceptive answers. To me, that's that's leadership. Like if you're in the dressing room in between periods, do you want to hear cliches? 20 miles, boys, let's go. <laughs> Fucking Chucky. Fuck, pick it up. Let's go. I don't know. Like, everyone, the first game hasn't been here, but you losers win exactly. one here, you exactly. idiots. Guys, we have never won the first game of the season since I've been here. I mean, the, the biggest thing that stood out for me has been, and I am talking about listening to Daryl. You just get confident. I get confident listening to him. The amount of preparation, in contrast to what we've seen in previous seasons. The amount of prep this guy is going to have this team prepared. I'm not saying they're going to be good. I don't know. I hope they are. At least I know they're going to be prepared. I hope it translates into success. Oh, instead of, you know, like uh, playing music and practice and. Oh, yeah. Instead of having no walking goals. Walking around and having no goals and shit like that. All right. Last thing we want to discuss the same night. That uh, this team gets absolutely shit canned. Oh, I know where I know where you're going. You know where I'm going with this. Over yonder, (laughs) eh? Sam Bennett scoring overtime, fucking winners. It's um, it's always funny to me to see the guys who are like not on the team anymore, doing good. Anyways. And just so, just on that, I, I was using JFresh's uh, roster tool the other night. And just out of curiosity, I plugged in last year's roster into this year's tool. Oh, man. And it was better than the current roster. So, I mean, when you lose Derek Ryan and Jordano and Levo and Bennett and replace him with Gabranson and Sidorov and... Uh, Fuck. Dude, well, Rich, even... Richards is... Good. Yeah. Well, what was that thing? I mean, you posted something. It was the the games above replacement or wins above replacement. Yeah, that's what I was using. There's two of them going around. It's like the amount of wins that you lost by the guys that you just mentioned, and you replaced them, and paid more money for them. Of course, you did. Like a couple mil. The Flames. I I threw up Evolving Hockey's projected goals above replacement um, for the players the Flames added compared to the uh, projected goals above replacement from the Flames, the players the Flames lost, and they lost more value and paid more money. I'm tapping my pen. I'm sorry. They lost more value and paid more money. So hopefully it translates into success. Yeah, and we talked about that. Is when your GM goes out and make moves, you kind of hope you got better and not worse. And you look at a lot of things. Look at everything. You look at it. It's like a carcass. Go to the store, get some soup, some milk. Consult your grocery list. Oh, man. <laughs>